Welcome to Future Thinking, and alongside podcast miniseries from North Standard, one of the world's leading marine insurers, I'm Mike Salthouse. In this episode, I'm joined by Brendan Moore, CEO of Synmax, a Houston-based satellite analytics and intelligence company, which uses its latest technology to track vessels that turn off their AIS, or automatic identification system. This is normally done to break sanctions restrictions imposed on countries like North Korea, Russia, or Iran. Welcome, Brendan. Perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about the weaknesses in the technology that's currently used to break sanctions and how the Synmax product attempts to address those. Of course. Thank you for having me on here. Essentially, in in my old world, um, you'd have different types of intelligence and evidence, and some of it can be used uh, in court and others you can't. Now, what that brings us to in the maritime industry is where predictions have told a company that this is probably what a vessel's doing. This, is very, this vessel is very likely to be doing X. But can you take the action needed? Can a government sanction based on that? Can you take away that, um, the, that, the insurance for that vessel, really putting that company and the insurance company into a terrible position if you're found to be wrong? It, it, it almost doesn't matter how the level of certainty until you get to about 100%, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, and that's where we come in. So even where you get that single tipping cue, where you, where you get given an image, it's told this is this is the vessel doing something bad. Is that vessel definitely an image of your vessel? So if you're ingesting the the imagery and running analytics over it every, every day of the year, constantly, you are tracking that vessel nonstop using imagery and every vessel across millions of square kilometers. We you don't just give that single tipping cued image. You're going back, well, yes, this is the image of your vessel here. And here it is two days before in the port that we know, that you know it was, and three days before in the area you know it was, and four days, and five days, and six days. So you're giving 50, 60 images, really telling the story of what happened with that vessel. When did it start spoofing, or when did it go dark? When did it do the bad thing? And why did it do it? And that's the kind of evidential um, narrative that's needed. In your experience then, how have you seen in the time that you've been involved with the sort of maritime sanctions breaking uh, practices, how has uh, sanctions deceptive practices evolved? What are the sort of things that you're starting to see now um, in term, which uh, ship owners should look out for? No, absolutely. We've seen um, both AIS and radio frequency manipulation and going dark. Um, it really started, it's been fascinating. In the space of just over two years, Day one for Simmax, it was very much going dark is the big problem. Vessels are going darker all over the place. What are they doing? Now, very quickly, bad owners essentially realized that going dark is like sending off a firework to those looking at AIS. It's, yes, we don't know where you are at this minute. We can predict it, but we do know you're doing something bad. So that very quickly moved on to spoofing. Initial spoofing. And some spoofers uh, still to this day are quite rudimentary. So a 300-meter vessel that doesn't leave a 30-meter box for two weeks or goes in a perfect circle for a month. You know, when you're looking at AIS, yes, if you have an alert set up to tell you if they're going dark, it doesn't trigger that alert. But a decent analyst or some decent algorithms can can find it out pretty, pretty well. What we're seeing is the evolution going from there. So at the moment, we're seeing a massive uptake in what we call uh, state level spoofing, where the vessel will be light for quite a uh, long way. Then it will spoof, but the path goes off beautifully from its real path. 
they both go in different, very realistic uh, directions, and then they come back and it perfectly joins up again. And that is very, very difficult to tell if you're looking at AIS. Um, on some of them, I would say impossible. We are seeing a massive uplift in that. We have seen a one, a few rudimentary attempts to avoid uh, us essentially with repainting the vessel, but repainting a 300 meter vessel takes a long time. So for us, we just watch it being repainted, and uh, that that was quite that just provided some comedy to us, really. <laughs> Fascinating. I, I started sort of uh, having to sort of pay attention to this sort of thing back in 2010, 2011. It is fascinating how the world has evolved over that period of time. Um, and I'd, I'd just be interested where you think, from your perspective, the balance is now between the sanctions breaker and the people trying to um, be aware of who's breaking sanctions and sort of stay clear of them. Where, where do you think that, that balance has got? Does the initiative fly with the, the super clever sanctions breakers? And obviously, they've got some big states behind them now. These are, these are sophisticated people uh, behind that or, or 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 people in your industry do you feel you're sort of starting to to get on top of it so the the, the problem is that those who are most impacted at breaking sanctions are also the, the best at doing so um, we see the tactics and strategies um, being passed on and essentially they're taking advantage of the facts of that actionable intelligence that evidence that's needed if a sophisticated government agency decided let's watch that vessel they would be able to see that but that would very likely be with a capability that they couldn't then publicize. So it's one thing having that awareness that, oh, vessel X and vessel Y and vessel Z are breaking sanctions. It's altogether another one to put that into the public domain. I think they are definitely ahead um, of the commercial world in terms of being able to get away with it. There's definitely an awareness that it's happening on a large scale. I think the, the actual scale is far larger than, than anyone else realizes to be to be very frank but what they are very good at is skirting that line of you think you know we're doing something but you can't prove it and and that's where we are at the moment to what extent do you think that um the authorities in the uk in the us within the eu um how much more do they actually know about what is going on than, than um might be available to to commercial entities such as a ship owner or an insurance company I think that question comes down to tactical and strategic. So tactically, about an individual vessel they're interested in, they, they could very likely know whatever they want if they task an asset. The commercial sector has got very, very good at tracking light vessels and vessels that have a, a little bit of tradecraft. Navies and governments are very, very good at tracking other navies and other government vessels on a very narrow scale. The problem nowadays is that these these grey fleets have grown, and it's not it's not just sanctions breaking, illegal fishing, research vessels that are doing things to undersea infrastructure. All of these user cases are taking up huge resources and need a, a, a broad strategic view. When what navies and governments been asking for for a few decades is higher resolution, closer, closer, give me constant tracking of that of one vessel, two vessels, ten vessels, but suddenly it's spread out to thousands. And that's where the kind of breadth comes into it, really, where you've got to have both the, the evidential output that the governments normally get with the breadth that the commercial side normally gets. And that's the kind of space we're inhabiting at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. So do, do you actually think then it's reasonable, from what you just said, um, for, for states to expect commercial enterprises to do their sort of sanctions enforcement for them, if you see what I mean? In, you know, they, they have some very clever assets which can track specific things, but they can't 
um, stop sanctions breaking just relying on those extremely expensive specialized assets um, they rely on good practice within within industry now is is it reasonable to expect somebody who's, who's doing their best really to sort of pick up all the sort of sanctions breaking that, that that's going on it's a very good question it feels to me that governments um governments owners insurers etc should be getting together as a group with the capability providers and looking at what are the best capabilities to solve this problem what it what is out there and based on that that should be the legal expectation and that level should always be rising because it is a, it is an arms race on both sides that level should be rising and it should be what is feasible for um i'm, I'm under no uh, you know, doubt that it's about what the commercial side uh, can pay mixed with what the government expectations are mixed with what is out there at the moment. And that kind of blend needs to be agreed by all. Looking ahead then for the year ahead, um, do, you, do you see any um, sort of technological or product developments that, that are going to be coming through this year ahead, which, which um, ship owners, insurers, banks and so on should be paying attention to? A Simmax CEO, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be saying Thea, which is our, our capability that ingests million square kilometers. But it's it's really every intelligence uh, every intelligence problem, and this is an intelligence problem. The solution is almost always intelligence fusion. It's never about taking one single uh, narrow capability and getting every uh, every ounce from it. It's about blending them together, so you're getting all all the aspects as one one offering let's talk about red flags because um much is written about so-called red flags and i and i always feel it's a it's, it's um sometimes it's not really necessarily understood what what people actually mean by a red flag are there any particular that you'd highlight to ship owners that you're seeing uh, out there as, as something that you know really if you if you spot it using your technology or something's you know competitors or or, or you'll just become aware of it yourself uh, that should really cause you to sort of sit back and say mm, this this doesn't look good excuse another good question um being honest uh we're saying that the best are only getting better i, I know that's a depressing depressing statement essentially the movement of commodity under sanction as well is is, is becoming a shell game so it's not just that a, a vessel goes dark or spoofs and goes to somewhere it shouldn't then comes back. It's that a vessel spoofs, goes somewhere it shouldn't, then passes off to another vessel. And that part vessel passes off to another vessel. And then the third vessel in the row is picking up a commodity that that, that owner, whoever's, whoever's doing that, very likely has no idea. And unless you're using something that mass, that looks across all thousands of vessels at the same time, and gathers that evidential uh, evidential material on all of them, it's almost impossible to say no to that commodity because the vessel before you definitely didn't go to that country. The vessel before that didn't even go to that country. And so I do, I completely agree with you. It's unfeasible using most of the capabilities out there to, to know where the beginning was. And I think that's where government, the commercial sector and uh, providers do have to work together on what is financially viable and how can we stop that happening? Because what we can't have is those breaking sanctions essentially just making it uneconomic to catch them. You obviously used to work for a government agency, um, a very distinguished career there. But do you, do you actually see that the, there is that awareness within government that um, it, it's un, un, unreasonable just to sort of lay it all off onto industry and expect them to come up with a solution? Do you see governments sort of starting to, to sort of have that awareness? So seven of my 18 years in government was in cybercrime. And I see where we are now 
almost as the beginning of not not writing. I wasn't involved right at the beginning, but at the start of the path that cybercrime went along. So at first, uh, companies were well, you have to look after yourselves, um, and I think we're 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 past that now in the maritime environment. The governments. The, the, the Treasury and sanctions officials are definitely looking to how can we better coordinate? I, I, I agree with yourself. We're not there. We're not at the right place yet, but they're definitely looking to get there. It's not a bullish attempt to pass the buck completely over to, to the commercial sector, in my, in my opinion. Um, but it feels like a much less mature environment than we were in cybercrime, where essentially the commercial sector and uh, government agencies such as the NCSC in the UK and various others in the UK, uh, across Five Eyes and NATO all come together in a much more coherent way. Brendan, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very, very much. Well, that's it for this episode of Future Thinking. Remember to listen to the other episodes in the Future Thinking series where we talk all things maritime from ship security in the Red Sea to what another Trump presidency might mean for the world. You'll find the Alongside podcast and these Future Thinking episodes on the North Standard website at north-standard.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also click follow to ensure you don't miss an episode. That's it from me, Mike Salthouse. Bye for now. Bye for now.